Dreamsofamedia.com presents... When will I learn? The answer to life's problems aren't at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> They're on Noiseland Arcade. With Craig WK. He's just a little shy because I've tried to kill him so many times. And Sean, the arcade phantom. An underachiever. And yet he seems to be... How should I put this? Proud of it? They're violent and they distract you from your schoolwork. Well, time to hit the books. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me as always is my buddy, the Arcade Phantom Sean. Craig, pleasure to be here. How's it going? Absolutely. I, I'm i doing pretty good. I uh, there's, there's a lot to talk about in this episode. Yeah, we got to speed through some stuff because we've got <laughs> a lot of notes for this one. I really it, do. It's a great episode. What episode are we talking about today? We're talking about one of my favorite episodes of all time, probably in my top five, Like Father, Like Clown. When did this release, Sean? October 24th, 1991. (laughs) So in this emotional episode, Bart and Lisa find out that Krusty the Clown has an estranged father named Rabbi Hyman Krastofsky, and they make the decision to try to reunite them. So, Sean, I have some more depressing news, as I always do. I know you're not surprised, but are you ready for it? (sighs) I'm never ready for your news, Craig. It always bums me out. Why does the world suck? It does. And so, oh boy. So, uh, there is a country that a lot of our listeners might not be familiar with because it no longer exists. In Zaire, rival anti-government groups were battling each other and supporters of President Mobutu Sese Seko in the southeast of the country. National radio warned that the country was on the brink of civil war and by... 1996, the first Congo War began when Rwanda invaded to track down their own rebels and violence exploded. Now, eventually, uh, Mobutu is you know going to be dispo- uh, deposed and exiled, and Zaire would eventually change back to what it was originally before he had a coup d'état and took control of the country, uh, which was uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, which is the country it currently is now, uh, you know, now because it switched back from Zaire. Uh, now, are you curious how this Mobutu character took control, uh, you know, in Africa back back in the like, I think it was like the mid 60s? I think I saw a movie about this because uh, it took place in the Congo. So it was giant, super smart gorillas, right? Good guess. You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Jurassic Park, but with gorillas. That, that was the movie Congo, right? No, Mobutu uh, gained control because he was adamantly opposed to communism. America helped him gain control of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, which became Zaire. Ah, Mm -hmm. good old go America. God bless America. Sean, what do you have for us? So... I got a movie that I don't know if you saw as a kid. I think anyone in our age range would have seen these movies, and it's going to get referenced in The Simpsons, so I had to bring it up, Uh even though we kind of skipped over when it came out. So on October 11th, 1991, Mm -hmm. we were treated by Jim Varney playing Ernest and Ernest Scared Stupid. You know what I mean, Varn? I love Jim Varney and the Ernest movies. I, 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 I realize they're hokey and dumb and goofy, but I really enjoyed them when I was younger. So I specifically brought this up because yeah, Jim Varney as Ernest will get later referenced in your favorite episode, and this is one of your favorites. Uh, yeah, I believe that's the Ernest goes to the, uh, uh, what is it, the library? Um, I believe it is in... Public library. <laughs> Let's go on in there, Vern. I... Yeah, I, I they make fun of Ernest movies uh, later in The Simpsons, but honestly, I really enjoyed them when I was a kid. Jim Varney was great. He started off uh, the the uh, Ernest character started in commercials, which so, is really weird. Bit of movie trivia for you guys who are out there and are, who are horror movie buffs. Uh-huh. The bad guys in Ernest Scared Stupid are actually costumes re 
designed and refitted from killer clowns from outer space. Really? Yep. I'll be danged. Hmm. I. Uh, so, the uh, the episode begins, and we have Krusty holding an axe in his hand, and he <laughs> says that he has the final axe, and I. Uh, we see that uh, in the background, it's almost like a weird carousel of kids because, like, the the background shows a group of kids, and then they just doubled it in the background, so it's like the same kids repeated. Yeah, kind of looks a little weird. Uh, but I, uh, Krusty uh, throws the axe and nails side uh, sideshow Mel in the head with the backside of the axe, knocking knocking him out, and all the kids start laughing. And Barton Lee's at home are cracking up. And uh, he bids everyone farewell, uh, you know, from uh, Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, the weird Dr. Clown. Yeah, who doesn't get named? Who's Dr. Clown? He's kind of creepy. Dr. Clonenstein. Oh, that's creepy. Oh, and then Krusty mentions from Knott's and also from Knott's Landing, Miss Donna Mills and says, oh, boy, wasn't she a sport? Now, Donna Mills played Abby Cunningham, a villain in the soap opera, which ran from 1980 to 89, that uh, 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 Knott's Landing. So that's really a show that ended before the uh, series came on. What did she they do to her? I have no idea. Considering he was throwing axes at his buddy, quote-unquote, Sideshow Mel, I presume it was something not very fun. Also, I like that uh, Corporal Punishment is shaking Mel to the tune of the song. song And dancing him. But Corporal Punishment will not move himself, and he has a frown on his face. Love it. The lights go down, and Krusty immediately frowns. He does not seem very happy. Uh, he He's exhausted. He says that those kids were like ice. Uh, did you catch all the meetings he was supposed to have? I did not catch all the meetings. For, uh, so he was supposed to have a, uh, I believe it was a merchandising meeting at 4.30. Krusty says to cancel all this stuff. Uh, therapist, personal trainer, cancel it all. Uh, opening line on the Giants is five and a half, and Krusty says put a dime on it, which is to bet $1,000 on the spread of the Giants game, because, you know, we've heard before Krusty likes betting on ele- uh, illegally on sporting events. Uh, and then uh, his assistant is like, well, you know, what about... Who is that assistant? Uh, she is named a little later in the episode, Lois Penny Candy, which is a reference to James Bond movies, Miss yeah, Money Penny. Miss Money Penny. Uh, the the dotty you know I uh, I uh, you know assistant. My girlfriend's parents' dog is actually named Miss Money Penny. Really? Yeah, that's a pretty great name. It's pretty awesome. I <laughs> uh, the so Miss uh, uh, Penny Candy uh, says that you know she's like, what about your dinner with Bart Simpson? And Krusty's like, I don't know Bart Simpson. And she's like, you're, you know, he's the one who saved you from jail. And there's a flashback to the episode. I. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Krusty gets busted. So I got a question for you about this. Mm-hmm. Is this the first sequel we have as an episode? Oh. Is this the very first sequel episode? Because it references a previous episode, and that is taken into the plot. It is. I think this is the first sequel. I think you're right. Because uh, uh, there are other episodes in like re- that have references, you know. But nothing's ever like a direct sequel to a previous episode. Not like yet, yeah. Which we'll get later I, in the I season guess, as well. Yeah, we'll get with uh, Sideshow Bob. We'll get Black Widower. And Sideshow Bob technically appears in Bart the Murderer as a side background thing. But it's not like in the plot doesn't dictate that he no, need to be No, the plot there. doesn't dictate the previous episode, but this one does. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, so, Krusty thinks about it. He goes, oh, yeah. Cancel it. And he won't do it. I... Uh, we see that Maggie, uh, in the Simpson house, Maggie is drinking from the dog dish, which, you know, kids love that water. And Lois Penny Candy calls up, who's Krusty's executive assistant, and, uh, you know, when Marge is like, oh, hi, Mrs. Uh, Penny Candy, she goes, it's Miss Penny Candy, I assure you. And forlornly looks at a picture of Krusty the Clown, hinting that she has feelings for him. Oh, she does have feelings for him. She'll later bring up a comment about this. Why? He's a clown. That's weird, right? 
Well, she spends every day with him. He's a positive influence on children. I guess. I suppose. But she says that, you know, Krusty had a very important thing come up. And it's him scrubbing his bathtub. Yeah, because Marge says, oh, how can one man disappoint one little boy so much? And Miss Penny Candy responds with, I've been spending my entire womanhood asking the same question. Yikes. Yikes. So, uh, Bart's talking to Millhouse on the phone, which, how was he... Well, I guess I guess Marge is hung up at this point, and then later, I'm, I'm hoping, yeah, yes. later is Millhouse. You know, he calls Millhouse, and uh, you know, Millhouse says he wants like 100 crusty autographs, and you know, Bart's like, consider it done, and he puts on crusty non-toxic cologne. Uh, the smell of the big top. Warning: Using a well-ventilated area may stain furniture. Prolonged use may cause chemical burns. And uh, Bart sings, "This could be the start of something," uh, which was written by Steve Allen. Have, reference later in the Simpsons a bunch. Have you ever had a chemical burn before? No. No, I don't think I actually ever have. The only buddy I've ever had who has had one that I can think of was uh, Xander from The Legend of Retro. <laughs> yeah, it was the uh, the the uh, spray stuff, right? That like uh, uh, the air in a jar that, or yeah. air in a can that sprays like to get rid of like dust on keyboards. Yeah, I remember he had that burn on his arm for Ever. He had like sprayed himself, not realizing that it also spits out like chemicals. Uh, and yeah, he, he had a chemical burn that was really bad. Yeah, he had had that for a while, didn't he? Yeah. Bart heads downstairs and the whole family looks concerned. And it's interesting because even Homer, who usually doesn't care much about this kind of stuff, looks kind of sad for Bart. Bart has gotten his hopes up about this one too many times and Krusty's pretty upset. Or, and he, or, or he's not able to have dinner with Krusty like Krusty said he would, and he's pretty. Bart is pretty upset. Uh, Bart slides all the stuff off his desk, and he says uh, he sends a letter from Krusty Buddy one six three zero two. All you trivia buffs out there, remember one six three zero two. Is that important? No, but it's going to come up at some point. It's going to be Final Jeopardy, and they're going to be like, Noiseland <laughs> Arcade got me this thousand dollars." Yeah, I could buy that. Uh, or it'll just be bar trivia for some Simpsons bar trivia. Yeah, I could buy that, too. That actually makes way more sense. Uh, but Bart sends him a letter that says nothing in life matters. And and that, you know, he's he's horribly disappointed and that he's no longer a fan of Krusty the Clown. Yeah, I have his actual letter right here. Oh, sure. I, I always suspected that nothing in life mattered. Now I know for sure that's true. Get bent, Bart Simpson. Yikes. I... We, uh, uh, so, uh, Miss uh, Penny Candy gets the, this letter, and in the background we see a picture of Krusty with the Beatles and Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, Krusty then calls a sex line. Ooh, sex chat. Which is interesting, because the number, I'm not gonna bother to say, it's like, yeah, 909 sex chat, which you can figure out yourself, but that's an area code for Los Angeles, so that's technically a number that's probably real. You will be connected to a hot party with the world's most beautiful women. Now let's join the party. Uh, hello? 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 Uh, hello? Are there any women here? Do I sound like a beautiful woman to you? It's not as hot as I anticipated. <laughs> he hangs up as his assistant comes in, and uh, she hands Krusty the note, and the continuity continues. Krusty looks at it, and he's like, Dear Crust... Why? <laughs> Why? And she sla- snatches the letter out of his hands and tells him that, you know, this is from the boy who would never lose faith, who actually lost faith in you. And she basically threatens Krusty and says that if you're not going to go to that dinner, I will quit. And Krusty's upset because he was going to go to the Friars Club for schnapps night. I'm not a big schnapps drinker. Uh, I used to kind of like the, the, what is it, the uh, peach tree... Uh, you disgust peach me. Peach schnapps. I used to have the funny fuzzy navels or whatever, like with orange you juice. You disgust me. I haven't had one in years. Alcohol should be bitter and strong and smoky. I kind of liked it. You disgust me. I put a little umbrella in it. Alcohol should be like cereal. It shouldn't be sweet. It should be strong and make you feel like a man when you eat it. 
and then I and then I put on the music from Earthbound for Summers and like imagine a palm tree as I sipped on my uh, fuzzy navel. Oh, really? I listen to J-pop when I drink. Hmm. <laughs> Try to sing along, but not speaking Japanese. Also, you're drunk at the time. <laughs> yes. So, uh, for those who don't know, the Friars Club is a private club established in 1904, composed of comedians and celebrities. It's a real celebrity fancy place. Bart is getting back home from school, and he walks in the kitchen, and Marge is like, did you wipe your feet when you came in? And he's like, why wipe your feet if they'll just get dirty again? Which is true. I suppose. You know, you can keep your place clean, but whatever. Just get dirty again every day. <laughs> so Why shower? Because I have to smell you. I smell great. I shower like four times a day. You're showering right now. I am. <laughs> That's what all that water noise is in the background. Uh, but Marge tells Bart that he is going to show up. He, he's actually going to make it this time. And Bart immediately does a 180 and he says, God bless that clown. And he's pretty excited. In the living room in the evening, which I love the lighting in this scene. It like really lets you know that this is like dark. It's like dark outside. Like the, the lighting is only coming from the lamps and stuff. And we see on the clock that it's 2.30 in the evening. And then the scene changes and it goes to the clock again. It's 7.10 in the evening, which makes a bit more sense. And I love that uh, there's a sound of like honking and like Krusty goes, <laughs> and Homer's like, do you think it's him? And Krusty rolls in, Pratt falls in and starts like, you know, entertaining and stuff. And a moment later, there's another knock at the door or doorbell and uh, it's Millhouse. And he's like, oh, Bart, what a surprise. And Bart's like, you can drop the charade and come in, Millhouse. Which, for the longest time, you and I would pronounce the word charade, and it's supposed to be charade. Oh, I, I knew it's supposed to be charade. <laughs> I just think charade sounds classier. <laughs> I imagine villains say charade. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, Bart heads in, though, and he's like, Krusty, you don't have to be on. And Krusty's like, what, Really? I appreciate this scene a lot because oh, yeah. it's a little boy who's with his idol, who's hilarious. And Bart just wants to know the person. He just really wants to hang out with the person. And Lisa's pretty excited about it as well. And when Homer's like, of course he has to be on, you know, Lisa's like, no, dad. And she tells Krusty, your pratfalls and punchinello antics aren't necessary here. I, uh, we also see on the clock that five minutes have passed. It's now seven 15. Uh, and so Krusty puts away his stuff opens the bag, and he's like, go wait in the car. And Mr. Teeny, the uh, <laughs> chimpanzee on roller skates, heads out, and Homer's like, oh, we could have seen a monkey. And we cut inside to the dining room table, and this is where all my research, not all my research, but a lot of my research ended up start, you know, starting from this point on. So, so this is one of my favorite gags that we get. <laughs> uh-huh. So... They say, who wants to say grace? Well, I think a guest should say grace, right? And Milhouse immediately speaks up and goes, bless us, oh Lord. And gets slapped in the back of the head. And then Bart is like, Krusty, why don't you do the honors? And Krusty starts saying a prayer. And that prayer is, now, for the record, I apologize for butchering the pronunciation here. I also apologize in advance for me using a very kind of sort of Yiddish or Jewish kind of voice as I imitate, uh, you know, some Jewish characters throughout this episode. So right off the bat, it's a little stereotypical. It's a little on the offensive side for sure. However, there's a lot of stuff they get right in this episode. And that means I'm allowed to say it in those voices. So take that, everybody. But Krusty then begins to say, Baruch Ata Odin Adonai Alohenu Melech HaOlam. And then he gets cut off, but he would continue to say, Sheheke Yanu Viki Yamanu. And I'm messing this up really bad. Vihiganu Lazman Heza. And, you know. You know, Krusty says he's rusty as he says this, but he says it pretty well. And Homer laughs. He's like, oh, he's talking funny talk. And Lisa's like, no, Dad, that's Hebrew. Krusty must, must be Jewish. Uh, now, before we get into the next line, yes, let's get into this prayer. So 
Before eating in Judaism, a blessing is said based on the category of food that is being eaten. And there are a lot of categories. One, bread. Two, fruits that grow on trees. Three, fruits and vegetables that do not grow on trees. Four, derivatives of the five grains, except for bread, which has its own blessing. Five, derivatives of grapes. And six, everything else. This prayer essentially is, is kind of a basic not necessarily grace, it's just a basic prayer in Judaism, uh, which translates into, Praised are you, the Eternal One, our God, ruler of the cosmos, who has kept us alive, sustained us, and enabled us to reach this moment. And Homer is confused. A Jewish entertainer, get out of here. And Lisa then goes through the list and says that Lauren Bacall, I uh, I think I might pronounce the name wrong, so correct me if I am wrong, I. Uh, uh, Dinette, uh, Dina, Dinah, Dinah Shore, Dinah Shore. Thank you. Uh, William Shatner and Mel Brooks. And Homer's like, Mel Brooks is Jewish. Uh, do you have info on those actors and actresses? I do not actually. I have it here. I well, knew you did. Lauren Bacall was in Dark Passage, Key Largo, and How to Marry a Millionaire. Uh, Dinah Shore was a musician and had a series of variety shows. William Shatner was Captain Kirk in Star Trek. And Mel Brooks is a filmmaker who will later appear on The Simpsons and made two of my favorite movies of all time, The Producers and Young Frankenstein, which scared the hell out of Homer. <laughs> that movie scared the hell out of me. <laughs> And Mel Brooks is just in the back of the limo, terrified. Uh, so they start talking about that, and Krusty begins to cry. And his hanky he pulls out is like a never-ending stream of colored cloth, like tied together, of course. And Homer's like, hey, Krusty, you gonna finish that meatloaf? And Lisa says, poor Krusty. He's like a black velvet painting come to life. Now... Because, of course, we have to look all this shit up. A velvet painting is a type of painting distinguished by the use of velvet, usually black velvet, uh, as the, uh, you know, the in place of, like, canvas or paper or similar materials. And it provides a really dark background, uh, so the colors really stand out brightly. Uh, and there are a lot of clowns painted in black velvet. Like, a lot. Yeah. Kind of creepy. I was actually doing research into that, and... Some of those were creepy as hell. Yeah, right? <laughs> Clowns are kind of a little creepy anyway. They don't really, like, scare me in the sense that if I see a clown, I freak out. But, like, you know, if I'm going down an alley and there's just a clown there, I'm going to probably be a little uncomfortable. Cholerophobia? Oh, I think that might be. Yeah, I think that is might that be clowns. clowns. Yeah, I think it is. I think you're right. Uh, so, Krusty's crying, though, and, you know... He, he, he talks about how, you know, it brings up all these painful memories. And so the Simpsons get him to, you know, they coax out, you know, the story, which he begins. His real name is Herschel Krustovsky. He was from the Lower East Side of Springfield, which was or, or potentially is a Jewish neighborhood in Springfield. Uh, people come from miles around for advice. Uh, but Rabbi Krzysztofski does ask that questions are phrased in the form of an ethical question. Uh, for example, like uh, uh, one of the people like is like, you know, should I have another child? And he's like, yes, a child would be a blessing on your home. You know, and he's it's, uh, of course, the voice of Jackie Mason. Do you want to lay a little info on Jackie Mason out there? Yeah, let me pull out my Jackie Mason info while you go through the three of those. Oh, yeah. So like, you know, he he, you know. He says, you know, uh, uh, you know, it'd be a, a, fa a bigger family would be a blessing on the home. And, you know, he's going through all this advice. And one of the people that comes up is this guy who's like, Rabbi, should I buy a Chrysler? And Christoph or Rabbi Kristofsky's like, uh, could you form that question? You know, put that in the question or form it in the ethical question. And he, the guy thinks for a moment, he goes, is it right to buy a Chrysler? And he goes, yes, for great is the car with power steering and Dynaflow uh, suspension. Okay, so Jackie Mason, who voices Rabbi Krostovsky, was a comedian who has pretty much remained active since the um, late 50s to now. Wow, that's a long career. Jackie Mason is currently 91 years old. Wow, he, is he still alive? He's still alive. Good on him. Shout out to Jackie Mason. And he wrote a lot of his own um, humor. He would do a lot of stand-up shows. And he typically is considered like one of the great Yiddish comedians. 
I he has such an amazing voice even he in this. He has a great voice in this. He the voice he uses for the rabbi Kristofsky is is really really amazing. And uh shout out to the creators of the Simpsons who actually got a couple of rabbis to be uh like consultants for this episode. They they actually uh uh got a, a couple of rabbis to like, you know, make sure that everything was the way it should be for a Jewish episode. So Craig and I will get into this on a later Smartline episode because at some point we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. But we will talk about the comparisons of this and the Nickelodeon cartoon Hey Arnold, which is made by um, Matt Groening's brother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. That I didn't even think of that. There's the episode where the character Harold is turns out to be Jewish and is going to have a bar mitzvah, and it's a very similar like getting into the root of the religion without like making fun of it, showing off that. This is what it is. This is Judaism. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the Simpsons make some jokes here and there, of course, but a lot of them are pretty smartly written. Yes. You know, which, you know, because you could easily just be like, I mean, let's face it. We know the stereotypes of, of Jewish people. Like, you know, th- there's some pretty rotten ones out there. All they had to do was just be like, ah, Jewish people like money. And like, it would have been the cheap laugh for the American people at the time. But they did an amazing job in this episode. Oh, I love this episode. So what they didn't get right is the history side of things. They mentioned power steering. Now, that is essentially hydraulics in the car used to make it easier to turn the wheel of the car. Uh, If you've ever driven a car without power steering, it's tremendously difficult. Have you ever had to do that? Yeah, actually, my power steering went out like a week ago because (laughs) I have a switch that can turn it on and off for testing for my car. Uh Uh-huh. And I accidentally hit that and turned it off. And oh. I was like, oh, God. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, power steering was introduced commercially to the public by uh, Chrysler in the 1951 Chrysler Imperial. So if they got that right, you know, it's a car with power steering. But at the time, at that time, uh, it was known by Hydro Guide. Hydro Guide, not power steering. Uh, now, Dynaflow suspension is an automatic transmission system found in GM cars. Chrysler actually had power flight until 1956, and then it was updated to the torque flight. And so, yeah, they, they kind of messed up the Chrysler car info there. But, uh, you know, in this flashback, we see that, you know, uh, young Krusty, young Herschel, is like, you know, he, I was talking about how he wants to make people laugh. And... Rabbi Kristofsky is saying, no, 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 no. Clowns are not a respected member of the community. Pie is for noshing, not for throwing. Uh, uh, seltzer is for uh, drink, drinking, not for spraying. And young Herschel's like, you know, but dad. And he goes, no, oh, you better listen to me or you're going to get such a zitz, which is a Yiddish for basically smack you upside the head. We also see Yiddle's jokes in the background. And uh, Krusty talks about how he got his first laughs at Yeshiva, which is an Orthodox Jewish school. How did he get those first laughs? Uh, impersonating his uh, father. And he's like, blah, 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 Moses, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's like, you know, making fun of, uh, uh, you know, Rabbi Krasovsky, who starts strangling him, reminiscent of Homer and Bart. And Bart's, or, and Homer's like, boy, you don't have to follow in my footsteps. And he's like, don't worry, I won't even use the bathroom after you. And then he starts strangling Bart. Uh, Krusty gets back to the story, though, and uh, there's kind of an awkward joke where Krusty's in the bathroom practicing his clowning, and he's like, and, uh, I love this joke, and I made notes about it. <laughs> or Hyman uh, Krustovsky's like, he's like, what are you doing in that bathroom? Open that door. And he's like, go away. And he smashes the door in, and he's like, he's like, uh, what does he yell? Uh, uh, he goes, oi, gewalt, which translates into, oh, violence is a direct thing, but it's basically a, a Yiddish term for shock. And uh, Herschel's like, close the door. As it sprays the seltzer in his face. Uh-huh. Which is a masturbation joke it's a masturbation joke but it gets me every time i laugh so hard at it that you can argue that a masturbation joke is very tasteless but i think that the comparison between him doing the clowning stuff that his dad doesn't want him to do it is a tasteful masturbation it is a hilarious joke the one in a million tasteful masturbation jokes go figure i and so i crusty then talks about how everything kind of went downhill at a tell uh talmudic uh uh, basically, like a, a, a what was it? A convention on the Talmud, a uh, Talmudic conference in Catskills. Yes, thank you. Talmudic is uh, the uh, the Talmud is the central text of the uh, uh, Rabbionic Judaism, uh, source of all Jewish law and theology. 
uh, Catskill Mountains are in southeast New York, which almost makes you think that maybe the Simpsons Springfield is in New York. I've heard rumors that it might be in upstate New York, but I don't think that's the case because of all the jokes about Albany and and Utica uh, and Utica and yeah, no. I uh, Hyman brags about his son. But a rowdy rabbi splashes off the makeup as uh, Herschel is trying to get off the stage. And Rabbi he- uh, Hyman Kristofsky stands up and says, Oy ve uh, ist mir, which translates to basically like to woe is me. And he says, a musician or a jazz singer, he could forgive. He says, but not this. And he says, like, get out of here, you, you, you clown, you. And Krusty says he hasn't seen him since. Now, the reference to being a musician or jazz singer, what is that, Sean? So this entire episode is actually a parody of the 1927 film The Jazz Singer, Mm -hmm. which stars Al Jolson as a jazz singer. Oh, Al Jolson? Al Jolson is in it. Man, I like him. He is, basically, he's a Jewish son of a person he wants to go off to be a jazz singer. Mm Mm-hmm. And he basically leaves his family to go be a jazz singer, and his father is dying, and they ask that he basically come and do the Jewish ceremony for his father's death, mm-hmm. and he's estranged and doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Now, a lot of people look at the film as it's a significant film because it is one of the first major talkies oh. in 1927. It was actually excluded from the Oscars in 1927 because a talkie was considered a gimmick at the time. Wow. And it wasn't allowed to go up for Best Picture, and Wings took Best Picture that year. Hmm. Was but Wings a better movie? Wings is a fantastic movie about World War One. I. I love oh. that film. But it's a silent film, and the jazz singer gets a lot of flack for Jolson's use of blackface. Ooh. Which... Sounds like a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. Blackface is a horrible and disgusting thing. Mm-hmm. However, yeah, this is actually one of the few tasteful uses of blackface. Really? And I'm going to get into that before I get totally destroyed by every single fan out here. <laughs> because that's going to happen. <laughs> so, Probably, I might destroy you myself, Sean. Choose your words very carefully. So basically, uh-huh. the use of blackface is to illustrate his duality as a, of a character. It's also because in the jazz community, you typically had to be a black male or someone in blackface to do that role. Really? It was a thing in a lot of bars where they wouldn't allow white people to do it, so they would go in blackface. Oh, weird. Yeah, so it has its place, it has its time, it is horribly offensive and terrible. But a lot of scholars have actually looked back on the film, and they use it as the duality for his roles of wanting to be in his Jewish faith or wanting to be a jazz singer. Okay, interesting. Messed up. A little uncomfortable, for oh, sure. very uncomfortable. But, but, but very interesting it's, it's at the very least. It's also the time period, because, I mean, this is almost 100 years old now. No, no. Oh, it's, my Lord. It's it almost 92 is. years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. You're right. Over 90 years old. Good God. Man. I, uh, Jazz Singer is a movie I have not seen. Uh, I've heard it's it's a classic, but I've, I've never actually but seen it. You but you may have seen a parody of The Jazz Singer. Oh. There is an old cartoon that you may know. <gasps> is it the, the one with I Love to Sing about it's, the Muna and the Juna and the Springa? It stars Owl Jolson. Owl Jolson. Who wants to be a jazz two. singer? I love to, I love to sing. Wow, I uh, I really enjoyed that cartoon as a kid. So that's uh, that's a parody of the That's a parody of the jazz singer. Oh. I love to sing as a Mary Melody cartoon created by uh, Tex Avery. Oh uh, yeah, that was a Tex Avery cartoon. Wow. I, uh, I didn't realize, I mean, I guess it all makes sense. Owl, Jolson, Al Jolson. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Interesting. And now that you look back on that cartoon, are you noticing the similarities to that in this current episode of The Simpsons? Yeah, when the owl put on blackface, it was awkward. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Which is a clown face in this episode. Oh, yeah, it kind of is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, man, uh, so... Man, I had to walk on a tightrope for that one, huh? <laughs> you ain't wrong, buddy. <laughs> So, uh, you know, Krusty finishes his story, and he's really hanging around the Simpsons, and he does not seem to want to, like, go. It's, like, midnight, and Krusty's looking through old albums, and he's, like, looking at all these pictures of Bart, and Bart's, like, just tiredly, like, yeah, yeah, interesting life, yeah, yeah. 
And Milhouse starts, oh, that's right. Uh, Krusty looks to Milhouse and he's like, so Milhouse, do you know any knock-knock jokes? And Milhouse starts crying. <laughs> Go home. And Marge is like, Homer, don't you think you should take Milhouse home? And Homer's like, gladly. And he gets the heck out of there. Uh, Krusty then finds the, uh, goes through their albums and finds the concert for Bangladesh, which is real. Yes, it is. That's a thing. I thought this was just like a throwaway joke just because it's like this, like, you know, uh, what is it? A sitar? Is that the instrument that's played? Yes. Uh, this sitar music, I thought like, oh, okay, this is just them being like, oh, the sitar is bad. <laughs> you know, but no, this was a benefit concert, uh, concert uh, organized by former Beatles lead guitarist George Harrison and the Indian sitar player Ravi Shankar. I didn't realize it was a thing. It was a benefit concert for uh, just all the horrible things that were going on. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, refugees were coming into India at around that time. And they were just, you know, really poor and stuff. So Krusty is heading out for the night. And, you know, Bart's like, ah, sorry about your dad, Krusty. And he's like, oh, don't worry about me. I'm a survivor. Thinks he forgets his keys. And the Simpsons are like, no, 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 no you don't have him here. And slam the door in his face. And Krusty walks off. What happened to the car? Did Teeny take the wheel and just drive it away somewhere? <laughs> or did he have a, a like a, an actual like hired driver who just left because he had taken so long? It, I'm not sure. It had to have been that or Mr. Teeny. Mr. Teeny took it. Uh, so Krusty starts walking along, and we see that he goes through this kind of bad neighborhood where they're showing these porno flicks. Which is uh, for your thighs only. Hey, for uh, your eyes only, James mm-hmm. Bond. Thank you. Uh, Crocodile done me. Crocodile done D. And Doctor Strange Pants. Doctor Strange Lover, how I learned to love the atomic bomb. Uh, which is a movie referenced uh, uh, later on in the the series. Another Sideshow Bob episode. Go figure. Uh, he goes through this magazine stand and he finds. Uh, did you see all the magazine titles? I, I caught a couple of them. I, I have the list if you want to hear. Okay, go for it. Ballooning Monthly, Cooking with Coconut Magazine, Fabergé Egg Owner, Ballpoint... That's my favorite. <laughs> Ballpoint Pet Digest, and Modern Jewish Father, which causes him to choke up and, and walk off. He then ends the evening at some ungodly time at a bus station watching pay TV which was a thing back then, wasn't it? Yes, it was. You would put a quarter in and you get five minutes of TV. And he's watching watching Hercules versus the Martians. Is that a reference to anything? Uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians is a film. Oh. Didn't Hercules fight like Moon Men? Isn't that a movie? That's real life. That's like a Bible tale, right? Uh, maybe. I buy, like Hercules I'll buy that. and the Lion? That was a Bible tale. <laughs> <laughs> so, I... We then start to see a little bit more depressing stuff as Hyman Kristofsky wakes up in the middle of the night to a phone call and it's just silence and breathing and Krusty's on the other line and just hangs up and he's just like calling his father just to hear his voice and then just, you know, not able to say anything. Uh, and then on the Krusty the Clown show, Krusty shows a Itchy and Scratchy cartoon where Itchy and Scratchy I have kids. I love this scene. Field of Screams? Is that Field it? Field of Screams, yep. And he's like, did Itchy look happy before? Or uh, Scratchy look happy before he got run over by the wheat thresher? Playing with his dad. And he cuts to a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> so he cuts to a commercial. And uh, Lisa says the man who envies our family is the man who needs help. And Bart and Lisa decide that they're going to make it their mission to team up and work together to make sure that, uh, you know, Krusty is reunited with his father. And it's interesting that you brought up the parallels to Krusty Gets Busted, because in that episode, that was the first episode Lisa and Bart. Oh, no, that was the second episode they teamed up because she was also his coach for uh, Dead Putting Society. Yeah, but I don't think they teamed up to solve anything in that. Oh, that's true. In in that case, they were solving a problem, and in this one, they are. So you're right. You know, so there there is that. Uh, uh, you know, for sure. Uh, so Krusty gets busted was before Dead Putting Society. Was it? Krusty gets busted in season one. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I'm thinking uh, Dead Putting Society as a season one episode. You're right. So yeah, this is the uh, the third time technically Lisa and Bart team up, but only the second time to solve a problem. 
What's that problem is winning a mini golf? Never mind. I. Uh, but I uh, we have uh, Bart and Lisa go to Reverend Lovejoy because they want to track down this Rabbi Krastovsky. And lo- I love that Lovejoy panics. Up until this po- moment, Lovejoy has not been a very human character. He's been very, like, kind of outlandish and, like... He's been kind of a background preacher, but this kind of gives him personality. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I just want you to know that that the the church is changing to meet the needs of young people, and they're like, no, no, we we want to track down a rabbi. You know, what are the needs you know. of young Christians nowadays? Um, um. Uh, so anyway, so he gets his non-Christian <laughs> Rolodex. <laughs> yeah, which what the hell is a Rolodex for our younger listeners, Craig? A Rolodex is something that is, yeah, probably not seen anymore. It, it, it's like this, like, uh, uh, it's almost like this, like, little, uh, like, little, little, like, two little metal wheels, and you put cards in and, like, click it in, almost like a trapper keeper, which I don't even know if kids have those nowadays, uh, but, uh, uh, like, a three-ring binder, we'll say, and you you just have this giant roll of contact info, and so... You you know nowadays you have a cell phone which has all your info, but like back then, yeah, you had a Rolodex. Really weird. And how does Reverend Lovejoy know Rabbi Karstovsky? Well, yeah, that's right. That's the other thing is uh, he has a show that he's a little offended at first that Bart and Lisa don't know, but then they lie and say, "Oh yeah, we remember it now." Gabbing about God is a weekly radio show. It's that- all the kids talk about on Monday at school. <laughs> He gives them a shirt and everything, and they're like, oh, yeah, we'll put it on later. How about that info? And I, I, you know, so so Bart and Lisa get this info, and they head to Temple Beth in Springfield. Uh, now, Bethel means house of God in Hebrew, so that's what this is a reference to. And also, it says this Saturday, uh, uh, what is it, uh, dealing with Christmas or uh, uh, coping with Christmas, coping with Christmas. And they knock on the door, and he's at first he's really jovial. He's like, "Well, how can I help you, my young friends?" And you know, they're like, "Well, you know, you're Rabbi Krastovsky, right? Like, we wanted to talk to you about your son, Krusty uh, the Clown." And he's like, "I have no son." And he slams the door in their face. And Bart's like, "Great, come all this way, and it's the wrong guy." And he opens the door immediately. Goes, "I didn't mean that literally." And he slams the door again. I love that joke so much. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Sunday night rolls around, and KBBL has uh, uh, donated Sunday night uh, dead time for public service shows. And in the background of that guy talking, we see that he has uh, a couple of records on the wall. One for the Larry Davis Experience. Yeah, call back to the Larry Davis Experience, the man from prom. Yeah, and Bleeding Gums Murphy, of course. Uh, Sponsored by Ace Religious Supply, uh, which is, I think their uh, slogan is, if we ain't got it, it ain't holy. And so you have Reverend Timothy Lovejoy, Monsignor Kina, Kenneth Daly, and Rabbi Hyman Krastovsky, and they do this call-in show. And so like, I love the first call. Is like, with all the like suffering in the world, do you ever wonder if God exists? No, no, no. Great conversation, guys. And uh, so Bart calls as Dimitri. Uh, I think he's from Shelbyville Heights. Is that right? I think it's Shelbyville Heights. First time uh, uh, no, caller. No, he, he's a Springfield boy. Oh, is he? Our next caller is a Springfield boy. Hi, my name's Dimitri. Oh, you're right. It's the other guy from Shelbyville Heights, I think. Yep. Uh, which is Shelbyville Heights just another city near? Because Shel- we have in the Detroit area, Dearborn and Dearborn Heights are two separate cities. So typically they start off whenever there's a heights, it's part of the city and it branches off into its own separate city. Okay. So it could be another city. It, it's probably not another city. It's probably just the better part of the town. <laughs> I honestly, see. When you're referring to a big town like Shelbyville. Okay. Uh, so, I, uh, you know, Bart is like, as Dimitri, is like, you know, if... If a father, what is it? If a son defies the father and chooses a career that you know makes millions of people happy, shouldn't he be forgiven? And you know the Reverend and the Monsignor are like, well, yeah, yeah, of course. Rabbi Krastovsky freaks out. He's like, no, 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 no way. And he's like, well, don't you screen your calls? And he's like, freaks out. And uh, oh, uh, we also have uh, before him, Krusty uh, calls and hangs up after a few moments. And uh, God, that's sad. Uh, yeah, it's super depressing. 
So we're perpetually seeing throughout the episode and being reminded of how much this is affecting Krusty emotionally. But the rabbi loses it and, you know, Bart and Lisa decide that they're going to have to start thinking a little smarter here. So the next plan they have is they go to Yiddle's joke shop. Now, what's interesting here is that at first I just thought they were just perpetually using the same name. But if you look in the background of the scene while uh, Bart is getting done up to dress like a rabbi in this like, you know, weird, like at first it looks like a clothing shop. But if you look in the background, you see Yiddles and it says jokes and all the stuff in the beginning of the episode from the flashback is, is mirrored. And yeah. like, so it's the other side of it. So, yeah, this is just Yiddles joke shop from way back in the day. And I love the line where he goes, Yiddle, my man, you're a genius. And he goes, hmm, I love my work. And so I uh, Bart goes to uh, uh, this group of rabbis. Uh, who are talking in a park and, you know, uh, one of them is like, you know, talking about how like it, it it's, you know, better to give and then not be, you know, have it be known, you know, basically being more altruistic with your giving, like essentially like you're not doing it for the glory. But one of the other rabbis is like, ah, oh, but what if your, you know, lesson inspires others to give? And they're all like, oh, yeah, you know, so they're actually having a pretty good discussion. And Bart is like, you know. Like, Rabbi, don't you think that you should, like, forgive your son already? And immediately Kristofsky is like, you know, he's like, and, and this is actually the interesting part, because it's not just necessarily him being, uh, you know, uh, just bullheaded about it, is he says that uh, Herschel turned his back on his faith, people, and his family. So not only does uh, the Rabbi Kristofsky feel betrayed, but he feels like his faith has been spat upon by his son. You know, which is very important to him. He's a rabbi, you know, so we see kind of his side of things. And, you know, he's not just being a complete jerk about it. He has a little bit of, you know, hurt emotions himself about all this. Oh, he also gets called a, uh, a, a fisher, a pisher. Uh, I think pronounced fisher, uh, which is a nobody or an inexperienced person in Yiddish. And Bart then says, ah, he's pretty sharp. He saw right through this disguise. <laughs> uh, but I... So the the next scene is the them setting up the uh the potential meet meetup, right? Yes, at the deli. Izzy's deli. I uh, the Lisa calls uh Rabbi Kristofsky and says that Saul Bellow wants the to have lunch with uh, the rabbi. Now, do you have info on Saul Bellow? Go for it. Born Solomon Bellows in 1915, he died in 2005, so he lived a pretty long life, which is nice. Uh, but in his life, he won the Nobel Prize for Literature, the Pulitzer Prize, National Book Award for Fiction three times. Uh, he's famous for a lot of books, uh, but he is most identified with a character from Henderson the Rain King, which I lament that I've not read because I've wanted to read it for years, and I've heard it's phenomenal. Uh, also, uh, Bart calls Krusty and says that the uh, uh, French government wants to give him the Legion of Honor, and they want to meet at Izzy's Deli at 1 p.m. Thank you, Monsieur President. Au revoir. And so uh, Bart hangs up, and they... Uh, oh, uh, by the way, the Legion of Honor is the highest French order of merit for military or uh, civil merits, established in 1802 by Napoleon Bonaparte, and retained by all later French you know, regimes and governments and Didn't stuff. Didn't he have a famous hat? Yeah, I think it was like a fez, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so, I uh, I love that the lady who will eventually work at I uh, I uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Phineas Q Butterfats. Yes, Phineas the, Q Butterfats. This lady, I think, is the same one who will work there. Yep, because Bart tells her that um, how does a woman who works around all this ice cream keep her figure? <laughs> I misjudged you. Uh, but uh, Bart asks for complimentary pickles, and she's like, watch how fast I go. And uh, so there's this giant like list of characters as uh, 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 Rabbi Kristofsky goes through all these sandwiches that the shop has. Yeah, they're all named after celebrities. So do you have info on the celebrities? So we've got the Joey. I've got the sandwiches. Oh, sure, sure. The Joey Bishop. Which Rabbi Karstovsky says is too fatty. Uh, now, do you have info on the actors? I'm going to have you go for the actors. Oh, sure. So, uh, Joey Bishop was born Joseph Abraham Gottlieb, and he was an entertainer who had a series of variety shows on TV. Next, we have the Jackie Mason, which makes him gassy. <laughs> 
Uh, and Jackie Mason is, of course, the 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 voice actor doing this character, uh, which we talked about previously. We have the Bruce Willis, and he doesn't even like his work. I don't even. I mean, he's an action movie star, uh, but he's not Jewish. So why did they bring up the Bruce Willis? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what's the next sandwich? The Krusty the Clown. It. What's on that sandwich? Ham, sausage, and bacon with a smidge of mayo. What? On white bread. That is the that is the most anti-Jewish thing in the world I've ever heard. Oh. <laughs> Why is that, Craig? White bread and mayo with pork products? Rabbi Krzysztofski immediately loses his, or says, tell Saul Bellow, the uh, the prize-winning uh, Jewish novelist, that I've lost my appetite, and he storms out. Do you kind of want to make that sandwich? Because I do. I mean, it sounds really good right now. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm a little pretentious when it comes to sandwiches. And sometimes I'm, I'm, you know, like I get on my high horse. Oh, that sounds so just like such a, a just the spit in the eye to the Jewish people. And they're like, you know, wonderful uh, uh, corned beef sandwiches and stuff. Because, man. That is just so anti-Jewish. I know, but ham, sausage, bacon. How often do you get like a three-animal sandwich? Um, Sean, uh, that's all from the same animal. Sure, Craig, a magical, wonderful animal. <laughs> uh, and so Krusty finally shows up, and he uh, uh, asked to be directed to Francois. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Francois Mitterrand, who is Francois. Maurice Adrien Marie Mitterrand, who was the French politician who was uh, uh, president of France from 1981 to 1995, uh, the longest uh, run in uh, the history of France. The the lady working the counter or working the store is like, you think you're pretty funny, huh? And what does he say? Like uh, 50, 50 million <laughs> Frenchmen can't be wrong. <laughs> and he's turned down. Lisa then says that it's time to, uh, uh, you know, like time to rethink matters. Like what? What do Jewish people or what do uh, rabbis prize the most? And Bart's like those stupid hats, and she's like, no. And uh, she says that we're gonna hit them right in the Judaica, which With is knowledge, mm-hmm. which is typically uh, the Judaica is uh, t- uh, typically Jewish ceremonial art, but it can mean Jewish life and customs. I also love that they go to the uh, the uh, library and Bart is looking oh, at you the could, you pop-up could save, You can save this one. This one's my favorite quote. So. Oh, by all means. The Lisa uh, it goes through stuff and she gives him uh, Bart notes. And essentially she just sends Bart. She's like still going to keep doing research and she wants him to go see you know if he can uh, uh, use some info. Bart then uh, appears to the uh, rabbi and says the... Uh, uh, the, the Babylonian Talmud says that uh, a child should be pushed aside with the left hand and drawn closer with the right. And Rabbi Kristofsky hesitates for a moment. He goes, yes. And Bart's like, well, shouldn't you make up with Krusty? And uh, uh, Kristofsky says, but the uh, in the book of Exodus, it says, honor thy father and mother. Or uh, one of the uh, Ten Commandments. I think it's the Fifth Commandment. The Fifth Commandment. says, honor thy father and mother. End of story. Slams the door in his face. Bart gets back, and uh, Lisa says that she's got some dynamite stuff from Rabbi Simon Ben Eleazar. There's a story about him uh, that I have for you. Are you ready for it? Go for it. So in this story, it is told that once, when returning uh, in a very joyful mood from the academy uh, to his native city, uh, he met an exceedingly ugly man who greeted him. Uh, Simon uh, did not return the greeting and even mocked the man on account of his ugliness. When, however, the man said to him, go and tell the master who created me how ugly his handiwork is. Simon, perceiving that he had sinned, fell on his knees and begged the man's pardon. As the latter would not forgive him, Simon followed him until they came to Simon's city. When the inhabitants came out to meet him, greeting him respectfully as a rabbi, the man thereupon said to them, if this is a rabbi, may there be few like him in Israel and told them what had occurred. He, however, forgave Simon when the people begged him to do so. Simon went to the same day, uh, went the same day to the school and preached a sermon uh, exhorting all the people to be pliable like a reed and not unbending like a cedar. In the sauna, uh, Rabbi Kristofsky contends with that and says that the book of Joshua, in the book of Joshua, you must meditate on the Torah all day and all night. 
And all the rabbis in the, the sauna go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Bart is unsuccessful. Uh, Bart gets back to the library. Lisa's sleeping. And he takes some stuff and goes to a circumcision and tells the rabbi that the Talmud, it, uh, it said that jesters will bring redemption. But the rabbi is not convinced. And he says it's hardly the time or the place. Now, it then gets to uh, the library again. And they're outside, Lisa and Bart. And Lisa says that it's a long shot, but this is all I can do without learning ancient Hebrew. And Bart just stares at her. And she's like, Bart, I'm not going to learn ancient Hebrew. And we get to an amazing moment. Maybe one of my favorite Simpsons moments ever. Bart is playing Rabbi Krostovsky in chess in the park, which implies that Rabbi Krostovsky, after all this time, is sort of opening up to the kids and is willing to have them around and talk to them. And he's not willing to throw them out necessarily, but he's not convinced yet. He can't bring his heart to move on. Yeah. And there's a quote. Do you have that quote or do you want me to? I do have that quote. By all means. Well, actually, I, I guess first off, I should say that Bart has a line and the rabbi's willing to listen. So, so what is it that Bart says? Rabbi, did not a great man say, and I quote, the Jews are a swinging bunch of people. I mean, I've heard of persecution, but what they went through is ridiculous. But the great thing is after thousands of years of holding on and fighting, they finally made it, end quote. Kristofsky has never heard the plight of his people phrased so eloquently. And he says, is it Rabbi Hillel who developed the Talmud? And Bart says, no. He asks if it's Judah the Pious, which is a book by Francine Prose in 1973. Uh, I, I believe it's about a king and a rabbi who and the rabbi is like kind of like become rebellious. Uh, he then asks if it's Maimonides, uh, who is a Jewish philosopher and scholar of the Torah in the Middle Ages. Bar once again says no. The rabbi is getting desperate. He says, was it the Dead Sea Scrolls? The Dead Sea Scrolls are uh, uh, an ancient Jewish religious manuscript that were found in the uh, Qumran caves in the Judean desert near Ein Feshka on the northern shore of the Dead Sea. They let us know about the coming of the angels, right? I think that's how it works. Yeah, Evangelion said that. Uh, but yeah, there is scholarly, consen uh, uh, scholarly consensus dates these scrolls from the last three centuries BCE uh, and the first century ADE, or CE, whatever it is now. Uh, and Bart says, no, it's from Yes, I Can by Sammy Davis Jr. And Rabbi Krasovsky immediately says, the candy man? Now, I have some info, a little bit of info. Do you have uh, any info on Sammy Davis Jr.? Shoot for it. Samuel George Davis Jr., uh, born in 1925, passed away in 1990, sadly, before this episode aired, was an American singer, musician, dancer, actor, vaudevillian, comedian, and activist. One of his most famous songs is The Candyman, which is why, you know, Rabbi Krzysztofsky, you know, responds that, uh, that way. Uh, Candyman's a phenomenal song. I also love Mr. Bojangles. Great songs. So people who listen to our show and are regular listeners may mm -hmm. remember that um, Sammy Davis Jr. passed away the same day as um, Jim Henson. That oh, was one of my pop culture references. Right, right. Oh, yeah, that was really depressing. That was back in season one. That's right. Uh, in uh, the Yes, I Can uh, was a book about Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, and uh, the big thing is, is that uh, Sammy Davis Jr. converted to Judaism. I. Uh, uh, it, it's honestly really interesting uh, that, you know, he he did he I believe he converted after a car wreck. He basically sort of found God after this like horrible thing that happened to him. And, you know, he he felt uh, a great kinship with the Jewish people. Uh, so Rabbi Krostovsky realizes that if an entertainer can think that way, maybe he's upside down on the whole thing. And he feels like he wasted all these years and he becomes sad and the kids say that it's not too late. On the Krusty the Clown show, Krusty's depressed. Uh, he starts up and he just pushes through this, like, you know, uh, big, you know, like paper thing he has to jump through. And he's like, we have the side splitting this cavalcade. Out of hell with it. Roll the cartoon. And he goes to, to relax in the back and smoke a cigarette. Uh, and he hears a voice that says, that's a filthy habit. And Krusty immediately gets defensive, and he's like, "Who asked you?" And Herschel, or and Hyman Krastovsky, the father of Herschel Krastovsky, comes out of the shadows, 
and they banter back and forth for a moment saying like daddy papa and he says boyshik i uh, which boyshik is a term of endearment for a young man in yiddish and they hug and they cry as you know bart and lisa are kind of hiding off to the side and miss penny candy is is you know a pretty emotional too and crusty comes out as the show kicks back on and he asks for the spotlight because he wants to have the spotlight. And he's like, I just want to, I just want to, and he keeps stepping into the spotlight and he keeps moving away. And he's like, hey, come on, guys, I'm not doing the spotlight bit. And it and like kind of straightens out and faces him. And he introduces the crowd to his estranged father, Rabbi Hyman Kristofsky, and he asks, uh, who is it? Uh, uh, what is the band? Uh, oh, what are they? Krusty and the Crumbs. He then asks Lenny, who's the composer, to play some uh, little reconciliation music. Which is funny that there are, uh, we now know, two Lennies and two Carls on the show. Weird. Right? That's weird. Why didn't they, they just choose a different, yeah, why didn't they just choose a different name? I don't why know. Earl or Hoyt? Yeah, anything. Benjamin. Krusty then sings, Oh Mine Papa, which, uh, do you know about that song? Go for it. Oh Mine Papa, which is, this is incredibly interesting. I had no idea before I did the research here was a song written by Paul Burkhardt in 1939. Uh, he was a Swiss composer who wrote the musical Der Schwartz Hecht, which translates to the Black Pike. The song references a young woman remembering her once famous clown father. Anna. Right? I thought that was crazy. They, uh, whole, uh, Krusty and uh, the rabbi start singing. He gets them to sing, you know, sing with him, and... Weirdly enough, it cuts to it's a cutaway. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's Mo and Barney, and uh, at the Mo's tavern, and uh, Mo is like, "I think I got something in my eye," and Barney's like, "Here," and he hands him his hanky, and he's like, "Ugh," and it's all gross and slimy and stuff. And Krusty yells out that they hadn't seen each other in twenty five years, and I. Uh, Hyman says that he he loves him, and they hug, and uh, Bart and Lisa come out with a pie. Hyman Krustowski pulls out the pie, slaps Krusty in the face with it. He laughs, and it zooms in on Krusty with a smiling face, and that's the end of the episode. God, oh. do I love that episode. That is such a good episode. Top five for me. Easily. Hands down. It is a phenomenal episode. So, so I don't know that we've gotten into either of our like real big favorites yet so far, have we? No, we haven't hit any of like my big favorites. I've got one coming up this season that's in my yeah. top five. Honestly, I have two episodes, season three, that are top five for me. Nice. So, I mean, yeah, this is a phenomenal season. And this episode, I don't know why. I just, I love the way it handles Jewish culture without being really offensive and like crappy about it. You know, because let's face it. You they, don't know why, really? I think you love this episode for the same reason I do. Yeah. Because we both have repressed daddy issues. <laughs> That's the reason why. Let's be honest for a second. Honestly, I mean, I wasn't even going to bring it up, but like, I would almost think that that would be a knock against it for me. That like, you know, I, I've, you know, I, I've talked before on shows about how, you know, I grew up with my mom and sister. Uh, you know, I lost my father at a young age. And so, I don't know, to me, I in my head, I think, why would I like this episode? It's all about like, you know, Krusty and his dad reuniting and being happy. But like, I, that ain't gonna happen for me, no, you know. But and so maybe that's sort of the wish, like some kind of weird, like kind of I wish it would happen to me feeling. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a repressed daddy issues for me. It's part of the reason why. <laughs> I'll be totally honest. I'll throw it right out there. Ah, repressed ah, daddy issues. They always come through and shine and bring up the depression. Yeah, but I uh, yeah. So th this episode handles the the Jewish faith, you know. Uh, incredibly well. You know, I, I mean, you know, they could have very easily just made a bunch of really tasteless jokes. You know, Simpsons in the earlier days definitely weren't the best about everything. But you they know? hit their stride in this one, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I would be very interested to know if there are any people of the Jewish faith who were offended by this episode. You know, I, I mean, you know, there's definitely some some jokes here and there about like, you know, like the white bread with mayo and all the pork products, you know, like that's a little cheaper of a joke for sure. But it isn't like a bad joke. No, it's it's also 
it's the reason he leaves the restaurant because he's disgusted with his son for turning his back on his faith. Yeah, which that's what you know, that sandwich identifies. Right, right. You know, so I mean, I think all in all, this is an incredibly not only interesting episode, not only a history rich episode. I mean, I feel like we glazed past a lot of parts of this episode, you know, just so we can kind of talk more about the history and the references and like, you know, like all the stuff about the prayers and, you know, like there's just so much stuff in this episode that like, if you're not Jewish and you don't know anything about Judaism, probably just flies right over your head. I know it did for me when I was younger, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that this is just amazing episode. Uh, so, Sean, let's talk about the lasting impact. Yeah, so I had a lasting impact written down for this episode, mm-hmm. and I honestly changed it as we were writing it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so I think the lasting impact is this is the first episode that really takes continuity into effect in it. Interesting, yeah. It, it, until you brought that up earlier, I did not piece that together. So it's very interesting that you're right. Like, this is kind of a sequel episode. Yeah, you don't get that in The Simpsons. They're all kind of one-offs, but this one kind of relies on the previous episode mm-hmm. to give you some backstory to set it up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, m- honestly, my uh, lasting impact is that this really gives a lot of character to Krusty the Clown. Krusty we saw a little bit of, and, you know, like, you know, a little bit of his, like, kind of, like, who he was in Krusty Gets Busted. He's an illiterate who loves to gamble. Yeah, but really that's not much. You know, in this episode we find out that he's Jewish, that he's kind of turned his back on his faith, that he's, he's you know, not being a very good Jew, but he's, you know, still has this rabbi father and like, you know, it means a lot to him. He wishes he could get back together with him and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I, I feel like this is an episode that really gave, let you find out who Krusty the Clown really is, you know, and, and we'll have him appear as a main character more often moving forward. So let's uh, wrap this up by talking about Patreon, Patreon stuff. itself. Yeah. So uh, as far as that goes, uh, Patreon is, a, a, you know, the, the way to support Noiseland Arcade. If you're liking the show, if you'd like to help us out, uh, you know, the, the more support we get, the more we can start bringing you, whether it's more Patreon exclusive shows or what have you, you know. But if you go to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media, Noiseland Arcade is a proud, you know, a member of the GameZilla Media Network. And uh, you have the the option to give to support us. Uh, if you give as little as five dollars a month, you can get access to Smartline, our uh, bi monthly uh, bonus specials that we release every month. I, uh, but I, uh, Sean, as far as that goes, I think it's time to get into our uh, favorite quotes of the episode. Okay, so I had to cut you off for my favorite quote. Because yeah, my favorite quote is not relevant to the episode. Uh-huh. It doesn't have context, and there are some great, meaningful quotes and. Why I picked this as my favorite is more anecdotal than anything else. Uh-huh. So Bart is in the library with Lisa, and he's not paying attention. Uh-huh. And he's got a pop-up book of the Bible. Yep. And he gets to Noah's Ark. Uh-huh. And he's going, glub, 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 no, save us, save us. Glub, 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 <laughs> as the water and takes them and kills them all. Uh-huh. So the reason I love this quote so much uh-huh. is I was kicked out of Sunday school for doing the exact same thing when I was a youth. Really? Yep, because of this episode. I was sitting there going, no, save us, save us. Glum, 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 glum. No, that's, that's hilarious. So that's I great. have to love that quote, even though it's not the most meaningful quote. But, Craig, but what, it's do you, what, you. what do you got for us? For me, it's not necessarily one of the meaningful quotes. It's one of the, the jokes uh, that uh, Rabbi Kristofsky, you know, portrayed as Jack, you know, uh, with Jackie Mason's voice, uh, says when he's bragging about his son, uh, the rabbi is like, oh, Hyman, go on. You know, you're always bragging. You're always uh, bragging about your son or whatever. And uh, he says, you're always exaggerating. And Rabbi Krzysztofski says, a rabbi would never exaggerate. A rabbi composes. He creates thoughts. He tells stories that may never have happened, but he does not exaggerate. <laughs>